Hey guys, what's going on? It's Dr. Mike T. Nelson here, and with Dr. Brad Dieter doing the Eat to Perform podcast, and today we have a special guest, John Meadows. Hey, hi, John. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And do you want to give a short version of your background there, Brad, for people who may not be familiar with you? Yeah, um, I'm Dr. Brad Dieter. I'm also one of the coaches with uh, Mike in the coaches course, and we're um, we're really excited to have John on. I've been a a big fan of John's work for for several years. Um, probably internet stalked you more than you'd like to know. So it's uh, it's really great to have you on the show, John. I'm really excited. <laughs> um, there's been so many questions I've wanted to ask you over the years. So um, you know, even if the the people in the course don't learn much, as long as I do, I'm okay with that. So it's uh, it's great to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a selfish podcast. As long as one person's learning, I'm happy. <laughs> cool. So do you mind Sounds good. give us some background, John, in case people are living under a rock and haven't heard of you before, which is unlikely, but just in case. Well, I'll um I'll try to keep it short. I'm um soon to be forty four years old. I I um I'm a an IFBB pro bodybuilder. I, I um, it still feels weird saying that because I tried. It was I don't know. Was it my fourteenth or fifteenth try at least before I, at, at a pro qualifier before I actually won one. Um, and I actually started competing when I was thirteen years old. So I've got <clears throat> about thirty years worth of um, training experience. And you know, I was you know like probably a lot of your listeners. I was involved in a lot of sports and throughout school and. I got my undergrad degree, and uh, I ended up going into the corporate world, and um, I was running uh, projects for J.P. Morgan Chase, and, um, you know, I, I was always doing this coaching and competing stuff uh, kind of in my off hours, and it grew to the point where I wasn't really sleeping much, and then my wife decided we would have twins, and, and so... Uh, time became very precious, and I didn't have much of it. So I, I knew I needed to make a decision, either, either you know, kind of move forward with my, um, you know, the, in the fitness industry uh, with that career, or just stick to the, you know, project management side of things in the banking world. And I decided to give give this industry a shot full time, and I've kind of never looked back. I, I had a lot of. Um, <clears throat> I, I ran some projects I think you'd find real interesting at the bank, and I worked there, um, you know, for a decade, and you know, did, did a lot of uh, things you'd probably think, "Wow, man, that's kind of odd for a bodybuilder to be doing that kind of <laughs> stuff." But, um, but so I got a pretty varied background, and um, you know, so this this past year has been just a, a whirlwind for me. After so many, you know. Second place finishes. I, I finally won a pro qualifier, and I didn't. I didn't waste any time. I went right into three pro shows, and I just barely missed qualifying for the Mister Olympia. And um, here recently, I was uh, invited to do the Arnold Classic, which is just a. It's a, here in my hometown. It's a huge honor, and this is my lifelong dream come true. Um, you know, I've, I've always wanted to do this contest. Just so I'm really excited. I'm. You know, I'm 22 days away from competing, and normally I'd be sleeping on half the day because I'm uh, pretty tired. But uh, I think my uh, <laughs> adrenaline is still is still kicking in. I have a pretty good amount of energy, and I'm excited. Well, that's that's very cool. Um, 
kind of a little bit more selfish question too, but what you said you're talking about all the sort of accumulated stress from trying to do two jobs was there anything in particular, or maybe you said it was the twins that just caused you to just sort of take the leap and go, I'm just going to do this full time. Cause I think a lot of people looking from the outside would think, well, that's kind of weird that he's given up this, you know, nice sort of stable job to, you know, kind of go run your own business and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was hard to give it up. I, I mean, I was a VP. I was running the largest projects at the bank, and I had a nice salary and nice bonuses and nice benefits, and I gave it all up. Um, you know, for me, it just became a matter of, um, I'm just going to be honest, fatigue. I was just, you know, I, I had I would typically work with 60, 70 clients. So I'd get home from, from work, and you know, after working all day, then I would come home and have 60, 70 clients to take care of, plus train. And then, you know, then like I said, we had, um, you know, we had our boys growing up and I really wasn't seeing much of what was going on. You know, by the time I was done for the day, it was time to go to bed and get back up again. So I just like, you know what, I don't want to work my life away and miss my kids growing up. I don't want to, you know, have a marriage where I never see my wife. And, um, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't, you know, if I need to give up this money or whatever, take a chance, then that's all I'm going to do. But, you know, generally it was just fatigue, just tired from working so much. And, and the fact that I, I mean, I really just didn't want to be one of those guys that, you know, 15 years from now said, man, I've missed my kids growing up. You know, nothing's worth that. There's nothing worth that in your family. And, um, I mean, that was, that's kind of how that all evolved. You know, John, one of the things that you kind of opened with when, when we started the show was you said that, you know, you tried for, was it, was it 13 years that you tried to get your, um, your, your pro card? And, you know, I think one of the things that a lot of people see is, is our successes, right? You know, most people probably see you, John Meadows, as, you know, the professional bodybuilder. Um, and that's really only the tip of the iceberg. They haven't seen, you know, the 13 years of the the cumulative work that went into it. Um, you know, kind of looking back, what's your perspective on, you know, that journey of, you know, all the work that it took to kind of get to where you were? And how did you kind of stay motivated to keep chasing that dream? Uh, motivated or sick in the head? There's a <laughs> you know, you, usually they're one and the same, so... <laughs> Well, I did my first pro qualifier in 1998. By that point, I'd already been competing for a long time. Um, so, you know, you're looking at, I, I, in terms of the actual pro qualifiers, that's where I was saying 13, 14, 15. I don't know. Maybe it was 17 or 18. I, <laughs> I lost count. There was a, there was a lot of setbacks. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I do well is I recognize and I'm honest with myself when I make mistakes. I'm not a, I'm not afraid to admit I don't know everything. And I surround myself with good people. And through the years, you know, I've just learned from my mistakes. You don't typically see me make the same mistake twice. And I'm able to think through problems. And thinking through problems when you get to kind of this level in bodybuilding is very, very rare. You know, um, most people like to say it's really simple. Just eat more, just eat less, just train more, just train less. 
That's, you know, that's probably good advice for, you know, 98% of the people to do this. But when you get to a high level, it's really hard to solve problems. Um, and if you look, if you take a look at pictures for me, I give an example two years ago, three years, three years ago, you know, my, uh, abdominal section looks completely different than it does now. And that took a lot of thinking. Um, it took some recovery from surgeries I had 10 years ago, but it took some changes in training. It took some changes in, in a lot of things. Uh, I mean, if, if you look at certain body parts that used to be pretty poor, uh, I'll give you an example. My back, I did all the deadlifts and chin-ups and barbell rows that everybody says should be the meat and potatoes of your workout. And you know, guess what? It didn't work for me. Um, I had to find other ways and that's probably why you see so many different back training variations for me because I had to find something that worked because all the standard basic stuff just didn't work for me. I mean, that's nice if it works for 99% of the people out there. That's great, but it, it didn't work for me. And I've run into a lot of, the, you know, as you coach people, you run into people that have similar issues through the years and it gives you some perspective. Hey, you know what you might want to try? You might want to try this. Um, experience is is very valuable, but only if you listen to it, only if you're honest with yourself, you know, um, and you apply it. And, you know, I have had a lot of setbacks, and I've certainly lost more shows than I've won, but I've learned from them. And, um, you know, I continue to learn and build on my knowledge, and I can continue to do the same things. I continue to surround myself with good people. I continue to admit that I don't know everything. And I continue to enjoy life and my family. And, you know, those things keep me pretty uh, grounded and, and pretty happy. You know, I think you bring up such a, a great point in the fact that, you know, a lot of times we were given advice that works for most people. And I, I think it takes a lot of kind of self-courage to kind of realize that maybe that's not the best thing and to try something new. Um, I think so many people are, you know, kind of afraid to fail that they're scared to try something different. And I think that's a really important thing of, you know, when you get stuck somewhere, you know, what do you have to lose by trying something else? Yeah, you know, it's amazing. I used to get these people that would come to me and uh, luckily I can be a little more selective with my clientele now. But I used to get these people to come come to me and they'd say, hey, man, you got awesome legs. Can you help me build my legs? They're, they're really stubborn. Yeah, sure, I'll help you out, you know, and, you know, I'd talk to them, get an idea of what they're doing, send them a routine, and they'd say, well, this won't work for me. <laughs> what do you mean? Yep. Well, this isn't the way I do it. Wait a minute, you just told me that the way you were doing it didn't work, and you've been doing it for 15 years, but you can't try what I do, you can't do leg curls before you squat, you can't do this, you can't do that. People get so stuck in their mindset, and everything I believe right now, I in terms of training and diet, I'll give up in a heartbeat if I find something that works better. I'm not attached to any idea I have permanently. What what I believe in now are just the things that I believe work now, and obviously that's different for everybody. There's no uniform set of training guidelines and a uniform set of nutrition that's perfect for everybody. You know that. But, you know, I think uh, I think the point I'm trying to make is don't don't get attached to what you're doing. I mean, if it's working great, you know, run with it. But you know, always be ready to you know just you know if you find something better, you you got to have your you got to be ready to accept it and try something different. You know, and 
That's um, that's you know, I, I think the biggest problem males have is their ego. And yeah, we get in our own way, don't we? It, no, we do, and, and the ego is just like, oh, no, I'm not doing that, or, oh, that doesn't look hardcore enough, or that doesn't look cool, you know, or whatever. But, you know, you got you to gotta set your ego aside sometimes. Yeah, and I know the, the lessons I've learned, like, this last fall when I was finishing my Ph.D. and my stress was just super high. I started having knee pain and then shoulder pain and eventually got to the point where the only reason I was still lifting and I was trying to work around it a little bit was that, my ego wasn't going to let me do something really different or even, you know, step back from doing, in this case, back squats for a while. Um, and it took, you know, like 12 months and did a bunch of other therapy and saw a physical therapist, all that kind of stuff. And it was good, but I think sometimes we're very hesitant to almost go backwards a little bit to, you know, work on whatever the issue is we need to get fixed up so that we can then, you know, make faster progress in the future because if i was honest and looked back at you know the previous three to four years it wasn't really making any progress in that lift at all <laughs> you know <laughs> but it your ego gets in the way of like oh i can't i can't i can't not squat that's if you're a guy that's just horrible right you know um so i think it's a lot of times that we kind of sometimes get in our own way with sort of preconceived notions yeah i tell you man i've had um I've had pr pretty good health, but one thing I will say is I've struggled on and off with my lower back, and just in terms of it just gets worn out easy from 30 years of training, and I can't squat heavy, and man, it was so hard for me to let that go. Mm. I mean, my favorite exercise, you know, something I'm really good at and strong at, you know, I'm a stubby little dude with short femurs and big hamstrings. I'm built to squat, right? So, <laughs> um but I had, you know, is okay, I can squat heavy and wake up the next day in pain and mm -hmm. hurt for two days where I can find other ways to stimulate my legs. And, you know, I found other ways to uh, work around it, and it hasn't hurt my legs at all. Um, but it is hard, though. I know exactly what you mean, man. It's really hard to get away from things sometimes. And what were the other methods you found kind of transitioning a bit that, in your case, worked well for your legs or that you found works well for clients? Well, you know, I don't really think there's any one exercise that you have to do, first of all, uh, that makes all the difference. Um, there are going to be more exercises that are more effective uh, based on a lot of things, based on your, the structure of your body. You know, uh, you know, for example, you take a guy with, um, you know, say he's got really long femur, you know, maybe a really long spine. You know, he might be best just to do a lot of leg presses, for example, instead of trying to get a good a good deep squat in. But, you know, when it comes down to muscle growth, I look at it this way. Um, are, you the, are you either you guys comic book fans? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're talking to probably two of the We know you're a big comic book fan. Planet. Okay. So who who killed, who was the most notable character that killed Superman? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think back now. I'll give you five seconds, and I'm going to spoil it for you. Yeah. Okay, it was we Doomsday, failed the right? test. Doomsday. <laughs> Doomsday, right? So Doomsday was, um, and I talk about this at my seminars, Doomsday was from the planet Krypton, and, and uh, uh, I really do believe there's a Krypton and a Doomsday. I'm just waiting for him. Um, but... <laughs> 
Doomsday was, uh, you know, he was he kind of built by a scientist, and when he was a baby, they had put him out in the harsh climate of Krypton or whatever, and he would die. And then they would kind of, uh, he'd get kind of a redo. <laughs> they would uh, redo him, and its genetics would change so that whatever killed him the first time wouldn't kill him the second time. In other words, after years and years and years of this, he became this, you know, this adaptation machine. He could adapt to anything. And that's kind of how, kind of how I look at hypertrophy. You know, there are things that you can get away with. You can do just about anything when you're starting, but as you progress through the ranks, you gotta, you know, the higher you get, the closer you to, to your genetic potential, you have to give your body a stimulus that it hasn't seen before, and that stimulus can be very, a lot of different things. But you have to, you know, you gotta, you know, people go crazy like, ah, oh, you can't change everything all the time. Well. You do to a point, uh, you know, the, the, the further, you, like I said, the further you kind of get to your genetic potential, the more you have to, in my opinion, rotate the kinds of things you're doing because your body just adapts to it faster and faster and faster. I personally never do the same workout twice in a row. And it's crazy because if I do the, the, if I do the same workout twice, I won't feel it nearly as well the second time. Hmm. And it's frustrating because I'll have an awesome workout and I'll think, man, that was awesome. I'm going to do it again. And I do it again. I'm like, eh, it just wasn't the same. And um, But there are just so many different ways to stimulate your muscle. You know, you, it's, a, it's a huge conversation. You know, I, I like to do a couple. I like to do, in particular, four different things. The first thing I like to do is really get people to focus on mind-muscle connection. You know, the oldest principle in the books you know, the old mind and muscle connection. But how many people do you see just moving weight through space, just getting it from point A to point B? Just about everybody. And I think when you start a workout, you should establish an incredibly strong mind and muscle connection. And there are certain exercises that I do that I, I believe make it a little easier to do. Like, for example, if you were training your chest, you probably wouldn't start with a, with a, a bar, a bench press. It's probably not the best exercise to do that. Um, I also like to put an element of training explosively in my programs, meaning, um, you know, a good control eccentric and then drive up really, really hard, you know, a forceful concentric contraction, trying to make every muscle fiber fire. And, uh, the, you know, the, the bodybuilder in me likes, you know, the third thing I like to build in my programs is, that you know, what is Brad, what's Brad called? Cell, uh, cellular swelling, I think mm-hmm. is what he calls it, the, the pump, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So I like to get these crazy, crazy pumps, load the muscle full of blood, just, you know, to the point where it feels like it's going to tear. And then the fourth thing I like to do is once you've reached that point is I like to use certain exercises that really stretch the muscle out, um, put it, you know, through a really full range of motion, um, something where the muscle, like, for example, like a stiff legged deadlift for your hamstring would be an example um, where you're just really stretching the muscle hard, and there's different ways you can stretch. You can do it an actual stretch, or you can, uh, uh, or you can do it through an exercise, or you can, you know, do a static stretch where you're holding a weight in a certain position. But I, when I build my programs, I use those combinations, and um, you know, I think it flows really well. I think sequentially the way I build it makes a lot of sense. You establish a mind-muscle connection. You train with some weight explosively. 
you get a crazy pump. Now, if you think about if you changed all those things around, it probably wouldn't flow as well. But that's the sequence that is kind of the roots of how I like to train. Everything else kind of goes from there. And it accomplishes a lot of things, you know. It accomplishes progressive resistance through the explosive part of it. It accomplishes all these, you know, so you get these mechanical changes there. And then you get all these chemical changes from the from the pump type part of the program. You know, you got different rep schemes. So um, I, I always looked at it like people kind of get stuck in in their program thinking that there's only one way to achieve hypertrophy. Well, I've just got to get stronger, so that's all I'm going to focus on. Or I just got to get a pump. That's it. Just get a pump. But I think you should look at all the different no mechanisms of hypertrophy and apply them all. And, you know, I've taken a lot of guys, 35, 36, 37-year-old pros, that were stuck, and I've put 10, 15 pounds on them over, you know, the course. Of, it takes time over the course of two years. And... And got them healthier, their joints healthier, you know, they felt better. In some cases, they got stronger. In some cases, they really didn't. But the stimu- the, but the way we program works really well for these, you know, for these, these advanced guys. Cool. That's very awesome. And would you agree that those principles would work for someone who is more of a beginner intermediate also, just scaled down accordingly? I would scale them down for an intermediate. For a beginner, it's way too complicated. For a beginner, I would rather see a beginner doing, um, well, two things. So first of all, I think there's this notion that beginners should only do compound movements. And, I mean, I'm still waiting for somebody to tell me how you can learn to isolate and contract a muscle if all you do is compound movements. So I do believe that... um, you know, things like leg curls or hamstrings are very valuable for beginners. Teach them, teach them how to really contract their muscles. And then, yeah, teach them perfect form with, you know, all the good basic exercises that we love. I like to keep their volume a little bit lower too and train them with a little more frequency. You know, you might do a body part three times a week um, as opposed to the advanced bodybuilders. You know, we'll only take, usually do something twice a week. Um, I like to I like higher frequency models to be honest with you, but you have to recover from them. And um, I'm kind of delving off into a whole other topic here, but frequency is something I really really dig, and I didn't appreciate it until probably five five six years ago. Hmm. I was one of those guys that just thought, "Nah, you just hammer a muscle into oblivion once a week, and you'll be <laughs> fine." Well, you know that it will get you to a certain point. But I, what I found was it, it didn't get me. I mean, it got me to a certain point, and I was stuck. And I was completely convinced that I had reached my genetic ceiling. I was like, okay, well, hey, I did all I could do. But before I threw in the towel, I did some high frequency training, and what I, you know, it, it was a long learning process with how to use it correctly, though, because I was also from the from the mindset that you know you obliterate your muscle when you train it. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with high-frequency training. You can't obliterate your legs three or four times a week. You just can't. You can't recover doing that with all your body parts. So what I use with most of my top guys is each body part will get that structure that I talked about, those kind of those four phases. And, you know, I call them very I, – I think they're pretty intense workouts. But then the other workouts they do, they're not as intense, 
They're not doing anything super hard. Um, it's it's added frequency without the need for, you know, the crazy need for recovery. You're not really dipping into recovery. And it took me a long time to learn it. But you know what? There is a lot of value in workouts where you don't just kill yourself. You know, you <laughs> can do more of them. You can recover. And, you know, so, again, you know, I was one of those stubborn guys and, uh, um Eventually, I evolved to that way of thinking. Uh, you know, if I learn something new, then I'll change my program again. So, but that's you know, that's what, what I think these days, anyway. Yeah. So you brought up the the, the mind muscle connection, and I was talking to to Brad Schoenfeld the other day, and they're going to be hopefully he's trying to get a study done on that, so we can actually have some some good data to re, you know to support all all this stuff that we know to be true from experience. Can you kind of? walk through what exactly that means because i would imagine for a lot of people you know they don't even know they have no idea what the mind muscle connection means in terms of how do you apply that what does that actually look like for somebody who's training yeah i mean it's the feeling of tension in the muscle in a, in a hard contraction um i'll give you the hardest example of a contraction you ever get a calf cramp <laughs> <laughs> um that is a very very hard contraction that is a contraction that you can't really duplicate uh, you can't just do it on a whim. That's the extreme example. So that feeling where the muscle is really tight um, and you feel just a t- tremendous amount of tension on it. And usually when you tr- when you start to conquer that, you'll usually, provided your nutrition is, is sufficient, you'll notice, you'll notice you do get better pumps. You, you deliver, you're delivering more, uh, uh, fluid and, and blood to the muscle and it you know you can visibly see changes you know you can it's crazy you know you can see certain body parts that just morph over the course of 45 minutes um but it's this feeling of tension and then it's almost like this this cramp and you, you can practice without even weight training or learning that feel you can just do like you know like bodybuilders pose you know you can you can learn how to like pose your arms and feel your biceps um you, know, you could do something as basic and rudimentary as that, but if you just if you like if you're doing an exercise and you just can't really feel it anywhere, um, I'm not saying there's not value in it. It depends on what your goals are. If you're a powerlifter, then who cares? You just got to get the weight from point A to point B. But my whole, you know, my the the goals with the people that I work with are they they want to acquire a lot of muscle and they want to lose a lot of fat. Everybody has the exact same goal. They don't mm-hmm. really care. Uh, not they don't care as much about how much they lift. They just want to look a certain way. And I think in ultimately to look your best, and especially when you have like body parts that lag, you find with a lot of people that have a lagging body part, they just can't even feel it working. I, I was that way with my back too. I never could feel a contraction until I started to build some muscle back there, and then that helped. It's like the more muscle you have, it's like a snowball effect. Then you can learn to contract it better. You can feel it better. But um, it's hard sometimes. It's, um, you know, sometimes body parts can be really stubborn and it takes a lot of focus and concentration. you got to use impeccable form. Um, I'm kind of a form Nazi, to be honest with you. I um, I don't like bad form. I mean, if you're doing, uh, you know, I was doing a cable curl today for my biceps and I got loosened that up a little bit. That's okay. But, you know, but when you see guys deadlifting and they're bouncing the weight off the ground really hard and you know you got you just see guys doing some stuff or you know it's just a matter of time before they're injured you, you, you know it's going to happen so 
you know, I, I'm a little bit of a form Nazi. I like for people to use really, really impeccable form. Um, you know, so so good form, feeling tension, feeling that crazy that contraction. I mean, those are the things you got to really focus on. Yeah, and you know, it's such just a different mentality of training too. I I remember I was watching a, a YouTube video of Kai Green, and he was going through routine, and he was just saying, you know, I'm not a weightlifter, I'm a bodybuilder, and the way I train and focus on my training is so much different. I don't really care about the weight moving is I care about the muscles contracting and being active. And it was kind of one of those, you know, aha moments for me. I was like, Oh, well that makes sense. You know, if your goal is, you know, hypertrophy and building muscle is, you know, it doesn't really matter what the weight is doing. It matters what your muscles doing. And so it's just such a different mental focus that I think a lot of people don't really appreciate or even think about. It is. And, you know, the other thing I would say is, um, you know, people use the term training heavy. And I think it's really misleading because my definition of heavy is, you know, you take a weight that you can use with good form and you do it for, say, five, six, seven, maybe eight reps. Okay. Um, That's my definition of training heavy. The only difference between that and usually what you see is just your form. If you loosen your form up, yeah, you can do a little bit more, but did you just put more tension on the muscle or did you just put a little more tension on connective tissue, on soft tissues, you know, tendons and ligaments? You know, is that going to help you grow faster? Uh, probably not. Is it going to increase your, you know, your rate of in- getting injured? Probably will. So I don't, I'm not saying to people to train light. I think it is training heavy. I'm just saying, I say use the form that's proper. Uh, use the most weight that you can use while still maintaining that form. Mm-hmm. If you're using a weight that's so heavy, it breaks your form. That's not training heavy. That's training silly. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't advocate somebody picking up a five pound dumbbell and curling it 50 times with perfect form and saying that that's enough to grow. But what I am saying is use perfect form and use as much weight as you can use for your rep range with perfect form. And that, to me, your body will perceive as heavy and it'll be a good load. It'll create good tension. Um, but I think that's a really, you know, I have guys. I have guys come and train me all the time. Um, well, not all the time. Every once in a while, I have someone come and train with me, and you know they'll be doing the same weight as me on everything. And I'll say, okay, now now we're, I want you to actually feel your muscle, and I'll give them, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this, and then all of a sudden they can't budge the weight. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you see the difference? There's a big difference, you know. Um, you know that's the kind of stuff you like. To, you kind of like to teach in person, but. Um, so when people say train heavy, you know, to me, that just means my version of training heavy, probably five day reps, as heavy as you can go to get those reps, but you got to keep perfect form. Yeah, I think it's almost like you mentioned, you're looking for the, from a biomechanics standpoint, the mechanical inefficiencies, right? You're not trying to offload more onto the, the skeleton or the soft tissue. You're actually trying to put the muscle at a disadvantage, right? So everyone... For example, biceps, right? So people can generally do preacher curls with less weight than they can just uh, a sitting bicep curl because there's, you know, less uh, efficiency in that movement. So the muscle, quote unquote, is doing more work. So you're kind of, it's almost like the opposite of powerlifting, right? You're trying to 
figure out ways to get the muscle to do more work, the load will probably be a little bit less. You're, you're trying to make it purposely inefficient. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it was interesting what you mentioned too, about not always going to failure. Cause one of the things I think that's interesting for people that may not know you or just, you know, watch some of the, the videos, I think they would get the impression that every day is, you know, drop sets and intensity techniques <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sure you've heard this from a lot of people and it's, yes, sir. <laughs> and it's interesting to me that most of the people you've talked to, or I've talked to at least just a handful who train that way, they don't really train that way all the time. I haven't found anyone that can really handle that for years on end. No, so no. I thought that was very interesting. Well, you know, we used, I, you know, quite honestly, when I'm putting up something on YouTube or Facebook, I don't want to do a, just a normal three, just a normal set of eight on a barbell curl. Yeah. I don't, you know, we want to put something that's kind of interesting. Yeah, something fun and to watch. What generally is interesting is the harder, crazier sets. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> so you put those up, and people are like, "Oh my God, you train like you do." do, you do I people ask me all the time, "Do you do drop sets on every set? Do you take every <laughs> set past failure?" I'm like, "No, no, no. I usually take one to two sets past failure for, per workout for my body part." And they're like, "Really?" Uh, yeah. But um, but I do train a failure a lot, but then I give them that definition I gave you guys. It's yeah. just until your form breaks. I stop. If my form breaks, I stop the set. I will not do another rep. So they're like, oh, okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. You put, If you put something up on social media, you better be ready for people just assume that's your life. You know, I um, I published a leg workout one time on T Nation. It's probably like five, six years ago. I don't remember when it was exactly, but I didn't have squats in it. And all of a sudden, the next day, everybody was saying, Meadows hates squats. I'm like, I hate squats. That's my favorite exercise. I just so happened to not have it in that one workout. <laughs> no, I had a, an article there a while ago in one of the forums. One of the comments was, because I was just making the argument that if, you know, if you're new, like you were saying, beginner, to even intermediate, you know, by all means, you know, work on the stuff that we know that works, you know, volume, density, intensity, and have that be you know, the main drivers and, you know, once you plateau or you've been doing it for quite a while, then, you know, get a little bit more crazier after that. And a couple of comments was, was interesting. They're like, well, John Meadows doesn't train that way. <laughs> <laughs> and I would be willing to bet that you probably did that for quite a few years, right? Cause everyone's got to start, you know, somewhere and starting with the basics and the principles we know work is the most efficient way to start out. But that doesn't mean you're going to continue to follow those religiously for your entire career either. Yeah, well, unfortunately, Mike, I was nuts right out of the gate, man. Really? I, uh, <laughs> uh, I was. Yeah, I would grab muscle and fitness. Yeah, this is when I was, you know, thirteen, and every workout that was in the magazine, I would try. I would try to do it. Like, oh wow. You know, I mean, it was completely ridiculous, but I didn't know any better. It's like, yeah, I think we all go through okay, that stage. It's like, okay, I'm going to do Tom Platz's leg workout, and then I'm going to take a five minute break, and I'm going to do Lee Haney's back workout. And then, <laughs> and then tonight after school, I'm going to do Sergio Oliva's arm workout, and then I'm going to do, you know, blah, 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 Rich Gasperi's shoulder workout or whatever. I mean, I was, I was nuts. I mean, oh, to I have the, the energy and the naivety of a 13 year old. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I had no idea. I just yeah. like, well, if the magazine says this and that's what I'm going to do and I'm not just going to do one a day, I'm going to do all I'm in here. I can. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Um, you know, John, just to kind of maybe switch gears just a tad, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about training is I know that you also have, you know, a lot of nutrition pieces that you've put together over the years. And I'm sure, you know, your, your thinking has evolved on that piece as well. You know, can you kind of walk us through for you, what do you think are some of the, the core principles of people, um, you know, for nutrition wise for hypertrophy? Well, I, um, I should probably start with um, just net energy balance. I think that no matter what you do well, I don't want to say no matter. I think that re- the first thing you got to look at is your calories. You know, you get somebody that says, I can't gain any weight. And then my first thought is you're probably not consuming enough calories. Um, or, I, you know, I can't lose any body fat. Well, you're probably consuming too many calories. I think you, I think you really got to start with net energy balance. You got to start with, um, you know, the calories you got coming in versus what you're burning out. That's the kind of the basic foundational principle. And then I think what happens as you go is people get, um, they find little things that work, you know, some people prefer a little higher carbohydrates, for example. Some people prefer a little bit lower and higher fats. You know, there is no right answer for everybody. That's where the trial and error comes in. That's where mm-hmm. you you have to, and I've tried about every combination of every diet possible. And I think they all work to a degree as long as your, your, you know, your net energy balance is where it needs to be. Um, I do think, though, you probably feel a little bit better on certain kinds of diets. And I think it changes over time. You know, I used to feel pretty good on low-carb diets, and now I absolutely cannot stand low-carb diets for me personally. Uh, I can't function. I can't think. They just don't work for me right now at this point in my life. Maybe next year they will. But um, I think it's important for people to kind of play around with that stuff and find the right ratios. Um, but start at calories and the right ratios um, you guys have probably heard me talk about nutrient timing. Um, I believe that and I kind of look at it as a scale. The harder people train, the more nutrient timing matters. And what, what I believe the benefit of nutrient timing is most specifically and I, is, is around training and its recovery. I, um, I've either got hundreds upon hundreds of people lying to me with a, or there's a huge placebo effect if it doesn't work. Because, you know, when you train, you structure your nutrition around training a certain way, it absolutely helps with recovery. Um, I th- think the problem is most people don't really train hard enough to know a difference or they use the wrong, you know, nutrition. You know, they might think that just throwing some autodextrin in a drink while training will do the job, but that's not what I'm talking about. It doesn't, that's not a good solution. You got to really fine tune that as well. But I, I do believe is, again, you know, when I'm working with advanced guys or, you know, intermediate, I'd say intermediate to advanced guys, I do believe in nutrient timing. I do believe that um, you've got you to kind of experiment, find the right macros for you and how you feel. And I also believe in having fun. Um, you know, I'm sitting here right now and I'm eating egg whites and, and yellow peppers. That's my dinner. Um, this is not fun. But this is just a short <laughs> period of time of uh, pre-contest, and you guys have probably seen my pictures of pancakes and waffles and everything mm-hmm. else. I like to have, enjoy food. It it kind of drives me crazy when people say don't eat food for taste, just 
just to eat it for function. If you're preparing for a contest, hey, I get that. But you're going to live 365 days a year without without enjoying food, the taste of food. You know, food. You know, you. You know, the the one of the things that uh, I'm, I'm going off on another tangent here, but one of the things we've lost as a society here, especially in the U.S., is we don't have family dinners anymore. Families don't sit down and have dinner together. And I really, really, I mean, with my family, we do our best to have dinner together. And, um, you know, it's it's a cultural experience. It's a bonding experience. Enjoy some good food with your friends. I mean, I just, it's crazy to me when people say don't ever eat for taste. It's like, man, you are missing out on life, buddy. If that's <laughs> um, So I like to have a little bit of fun. You know, I tell people, you know, I, I like a 90-10 rule, you know, if 90% of the food you eat is, you know, minimally processed, it's, you know, full of good nutrients, you know, good healthy foods, you know, then, hey, have a little fun, man. Don't, you know, if you want some donuts on Sunday like I do with my kids, have them. If you want some pancakes Saturday morning for breakfast, you know, have them. If you want some chocolate Wednesday night with your friends, have it. You know, enjoy yourself. You know, what I find when I diet, you know, I strategically put these cheat meals in there, and I, I'm actually doing them more for physiological benefit. But it's funny, at the end of a show, people are like, oh, I can't wait to eat this, 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 and this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I had a hamburger last weekend, so I'm, not, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, you, you got to be in pretty good shape. You got to stay in pretty good shape to employ that. And, and you, you know, you do got to have your nutrition down pretty good, so... But I like to enjoy food, man. Hopefully, you know that's that's kind of my basic look at food. Um, but hopefully, that makes some sense. So, what are some of the the principles of workout nutrition? You know, just maybe some of the basics. We don't have to get super far into the the nitty gritty details. But what are kind of the basics that you found um, to be successful for people who do train at that high level? Well, I think, first of all, you start – I'm talking about pre-enter and post-workout. And I think when you talk about pre-workout, I, you know, when you're talking about accumulating as much muscle as you can, I, I personally think that people should have some carbohydrates in their pre-workout meal, okay? Um, now, I don't necessarily think people need a ton of them. But what I like to do is have what I would call a moderate amount. Like, for example, it might be 35 grams for me. That's not a crazy amount, right? That's pretty pretty moderate. Um, and I like to have a little fat with it. And the reason why I like to have a little bit of fat with it is because the fat will slow the entry of glucose into the bloodstream, right? You want to have these crazy, this crazy rise in blood sugar and then, you know, a big your pancreas dumping a bunch of insulin and you're getting lightheaded through the middle of your workout. Um you know, like 10 grams of fat, you know, so like a, like, a, you know, one tablespoon of peanut butter um, and, and some easily digestible protein. I wouldn't have a big steak right before I trained, obviously. So, you know, you could have a whey protein shake, you know, just something that you tend to digest pretty easy. You know, some maybe some maybe some Greek yogurt with some berries mixed in it, something that doesn't sit in your gut. And you got to experiment with how far out from your workout you eat it. You don't want to get hungry during your workout, but you don't want to feel any kind of fullness at all either. Um, now, in t- terms of intro workout, this is, in my opinion, how you can recover the fastest. Basically, you use carbohydrate sources that absorb really, really well, that are low, low in osmolality. Um, the only carbohydrate I've seen do it 
perfectly is branch cyclic dextrin. You know, some Vitargo's not bad. But I'm not talking about using a bunch of maltodextrin that upsets people's stomach or things like that. You want it to clear and clear quick. Protein, you know, aminos, obviously, um, they're going to clear quick. They're going to do their job. Now, when I look at a post-workout meal, you know, you've already had this these, these nutrients that absorb really fast while you're training. So I don't believe you need to really rush and, you know, uh, to your post-workout meal, you've kind of taken care of the need, the the recovery need as you trained. You know, you you you, you kept yourself from getting uh, runaway muscle protein breakdown. I, I guess we'll call it uh, right on the spot. So, what I generally like for people to do is just take their time, go home. You know, forty-five minutes later, an hour later, when they you know they're ready to eat, then have a good whole food meal. You know, steak and rice or or, you know, uh, chicken and potatoes or, you know, or it could be something a little more tasty. You know, I, there's some there's some times we like to have pancakes and things like that after we work out, too. And I wouldn't do that a ton, but, you know, if you want to do it once or twice a week. Um, but and, and then, then you talk and then so this the intro workout thing, um, the like I said, the, the harder you the more volume you train with. Mm-hmm. The harder you train, the more it, it helps. I'm what I'm not saying to you and your audience is that it works great for everybody because I don't think everybody needs it. I don't yeah. don't think beginners training at a certain level need it. I don't think people doing really quick workouts need it. I don't think there's value there. But if you got somebody going in for say ninety minutes and just, you know, busting their butt for ninety minutes, working really, really hard, the value is really good, and it only takes a matter of a couple of days, and they can feel, oh my god, I'm not sore. Did I? Then they, then people start emailing me, am I, am I training hard enough? Mm-hmm. Like I, I quit getting sore, and that's when I know, okay, we did it. It worked, and um, you know. But the only thing I'm just really, you know, I'm pretty flexible with my approaches. But those, that general guideline seems to work really, really well. Um, so that's hopefully that's uh, makes sense. No, yeah, that's that's uh, super helpful. Um, and I, you know, I think the context you put it in of where that applies is really important. I, you know, the the people who go in and, and do the the twenty minute CrossFit wads, um, you know, probably don't need to worry so much about the intra workout nutrition. As nope. you know, that seems like a, a pretty fair way to to adjust that. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. Absolutely, yep. <clears throat> So, Mike, do you have any other questions for John? Yeah, just a couple of quick things. Um, I heard you have an honorary PhD in pancakeology, and I wanted yes. to know what your favorite pancakes are from the expert. Well, I got to tell you, man, they don't—they don't have them all the time. But IHOP has these red velvet pancakes that are really, really good. Ooh. They just—it's seasonal though, and they don't have them here very often. Where I usually find them is when I'm in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything um, in Vegas. <laughs> um, I uh, that's probably my favorite. Um, oh boy, there's um, there's a place here uh, that we eat at that has a superhero theme. The walls are covered with superheroes, and um, they have this sampler plate where you can order four different kinds. Ooh, and ooh. they have this Reese's peanut butter cup pancake that's unbelievable oh. i mean it is crazy hey, i tell you if you guys want pancakes go to go to gatlinburg tennessee like on every block on every corner there's a pancake shop 
Oh, wow. I mean, it was like I died and went to heaven. I mean, like, <laughs> just every everywhere you went, you know, pancakes, pancakes, pancakes. I was like, man, this place is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so if I ever go to Tennessee, I'll, uh, I'll take a selfie of myself on Pancake Row and send it to you. <laughs> that, would be, that would be awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I know uh, you've had a really busy couple of years with a lot of the things that you're doing. And I know one of your new projects, I'm um, talking about the nutrition vein, is the the new bars that you have out. You know, I've grabbed a couple of them, and they're probably some of my favorite I've ever had. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that project and a little bit more about the the bars that you've made? Yeah, well, i gotta I got to really thank my friend Mike Clay, um, who owns Best Bar. He brought me into the company to um, partner and uh, for us to develop our own bars. Mike called me one day, and he was like, he introduced himself, and, you know, we had – we already talked. He had done my training programs, and I'm like, I, I recognize his name, and I recognize Mike. So I, you know, he, I was like, okay. He said, um, he told me what he did, and I was like, oh, okay. And he said, would you have any interest in doing a, a food bar? And I was like, that is exactly what I wanted to do for a pre-workout. You know, I get a lot of people that you know they're leaving from work to go to the gym, or they're traveling, or people just just you know, want convenience. And I've always wanted to have a good food bar that's not loaded, that won't sit on the shelf and turn into a brick like <laughs> the other stuff out there. And he was like, I think we're I think we're right on the same page there. So we talked and talked and we started uh we started uh, with an apple pie and we did iteration after iteration after iteration to try to get the texture. You probably noticed the texture is just phenomenal mm -hmm. it's, it's just phenomenal the texture that took a lot of work and the taste took us a lot of work to get it to where we said okay and if somebody has one of these they're going to get more that's what we wanted we wanted something that was so good where somebody would say okay i'm getting more of these um and then you know we came out with some more flavors obviously we did the chocolate coconut which is which is off the chart awesome we did the peanut butter chocolate which is actually the number one seller now and we're working on um uh it's a big secret but we're we're working on a cookie dough one right now. Oh. <laughs> um, I better clear some pantry shelf space. Yeah, oh, clean out the fridge. It's um we're working actually on three different flavors but that the, that's the one that's coming along I'd say the best. And um the um, I actually use the bars. I have them pre-workout. I'm doing it right up to the Arnold Classic. I'm as lean. I'm not leaner than I've ever been. I've got clients using them. It's real food. There's no preservatives. Um, it, it is. We've been rolling them out to retailers very slowly. Um, I don't know if you guys have had any dealings with Mike or the customer service at Best Bar, but those guys are off the chart good with customer Phenomenal. service. Mm -hmm. I mean, they... They are, and that was another thing that I really, really was excited about was, you know, a lot of companies I've dealt with talk about customer service, but it's just a bunch of jibber-jabber. I have so many emails from guys saying, man, I just can't believe the customer service. So I'm really, really proud to be a part of Best Bar, really, really proud. And I love those food bars. I just, I, I can't imagine even being more proud. They're, um, I'm, I feel, you know... You know, like when you go to work and you do a good job and you feel good about your contribution to society, right? That's kind of how I feel. I feel like we're doing something really good. 
So we're uh, we're building the business up. Uh, their business is already huge with their other bars, but the bars that are doing for me, we're building it up uh, nice and slow, slowly rolling out the retailers that we think um, you know will represent our our values and ethics well. And um, so onward and upward. Yeah, and thank you very much. I know you initially sent me two boxes, and I tried both of them. I had my wife try them. I had my sister come over and try them, and. You know, every one, they were just like, wow, what are these? These are, like, when my sister came over, I didn't tell her they're a protein bar. I'm like, hey, you got to try this. She's like, this is really good. I said, well, it's actually a protein bar. She's like, no way. Yeah, yeah. Well, well people have been conditioned to eat these bricks that yeah. sit on themselves. And, you know, if, uh, you know, when people taste these things, they're like, I had no idea. You know, I, I sent some to Brad and Alan, too, and they were just like, wow, these are crazy good. And, so I uh, guess the real question is, is there going to be a, a pancake one coming out soon? <laughs> <laughs> we were going to do a blueberry pancake one. Um, that one is a little harder than it sounds. We're we're also doing a, a chocolate uh, espresso, chocolate espresso, espresso chocolate, mm-hmm. where we actually grind up a few espresso beans. Now, I think that would probably be my personal favorite, but that one we really got. It's taking some work. That one's going to take some work. Um, and what was the other one we were doing? Oh, we're doing a uh, white chocolate um almond or no mm-hmm. vanilla vanilla a white chocolate vanilla as well that was special request for my wife um but the one that seems to be grow grow taken off and just i think will be a huge hit is this cookie dough one so we're kind of pressing on that one pretty hard right now yeah. so cliff bar better watch out well, you know, these things actually have a lot of protein in them, too. Um, mm-hmm. The real food bars that are out there now uh, don't have any protein, right? They're just a few grams of protein. They're just nuts and fruit. Mm-hmm. So I don't know of any other high protein that, I mean, that's legitimately has a good amount of protein that are like this. Um, all the ones I know that have high amounts of protein are just loaded full of preservatives, just loaded, because you have to. They'll, they'll uh, you know, ours will grow mold. I've I've never seen it because I eat them too fast. But <laughs> um, and we're a little bit loose too. We are tight. I did the opposite of that. We're a little bit tight in what we say. We say, well, you should, you know, keep them in the fridge for no longer than thirty days. Man, I've had them in the fridge for you know. We've I've just played around with it for the heck of it, and I've kept one for sixty days. I've kept one for forty five days, and I didn't notice anything go bad. Um, I don't think, I think, and, and you can freeze them too. And Mike's actually a big fan of taking them out of the freezer and eating them. And a lot of people are, but, um, they hold up a little better. And part, part of that's from the coconut oil, uh, that we put in it. Um, you know, you can really get some extra, extra life out of them when you use coconut oil, which is a good, you know, a good antimicrobial, antibacterial, good source of energy, medium chain triglyceride type of fat. So, um, you know, and you don't really, it, it, you don't like eat them and feel like you ate air and you're still hungry, but you don't, but you don't feel stuffed either. They don't sit in you. You know, it's a real good balance of just feeling just right in your stomach. Yeah, that's one thing I noticed. They were very filling. They were definitely sweet enough, but not overly sweet. But I felt, you know, full and content, but I didn't feel like I was stuffed and ate a bunch of weird fiber or anything like that either you know i felt like i could you know a couple of times i went and trained and yeah, it was fine i mean usually in the past i would never think of having a food bar and then going to train that just it doesn't sound very good but it was no problem yeah my well my personal regimen is i have a cup of coffee with a food bar that's what i do before i train now um and it, it works great 
uh, works fantastic. And just last thing on the customer service too was great. I signed up for the auto ship. I'm like, oh, these are great. I'll you know have these around. And uh, this month when I got back from traveling just the other day, they had sent me a complimentary box of the, the peanut butter ones with it, which I thought was super nice. And you and Mike had put a little handwritten note in there, so just want to say thank you very much for that. It was was not needed, but I thought that was a, a very cool touch to to show loyalty to current customers and you know have them try the new ones too yeah that's our that's our idea man we we first of all we appreciate your business and we want to take care of our customers you know we get so many times you do business with you know like you you know like i always use the example of the cable company you know if you quit they'll be like (laughs) oh we'll give you this for free and this for free and this for free and then in the meantime the people who have been most loyal get nothing we get hosed we do just the opposite. The the people that have uh, been our customer, they'll be the ones getting the freebies. They're the ones getting the 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 love um, first because we do appreciate their business and you know we want to keep them around and yeah, you know so that's that's our that's our way of looking at the business side of this. Awesome, John. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time. It it's it's been a pleasure and an honor to chat with you. Um, where can people find you? Where's a where's a good place for them to you know find your work, um, get a hold of some of your bars, or good places to reach you? Well, my website uh, mountaindogdiet.com. Uh, you can you know you get you can get you can follow my blog on there, my training blog. You can order food bars, you can order training programs, you can do whatever. Um, I'm also on Facebook under the name John Meadows, and I'm on Instagram under Mountain Dog One number one and um on instagram and facebook i'm i'm usually putting up some some training clips you know just quick clips showing people some of the things i'm doing and some of my clients and i i like to put some family stuff in there too because i love my family and i'm very proud of them um but those are probably the easiest ways to reach me awesome well thanks so much for your time we we really appreciate it and we're uh I'm going to be excited to watch how the Arnold Classic goes for you. Yeah, thank you very much, and all the best on the competition there, and enjoy. That's very cool to see that you've had that as a goal for such a long time and that you finally are there, so it's very awesome to see. Yeah, thank you very much. It's truly exciting, absolutely. All right, well, take care. Have a great afternoon. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks for the time. No problem. Thanks, John.